What an incredible privilege to be here in your holy presence and to sing your praises this morning. And now, Lord, as we come to listen to your holy word, may our hearts be wide open. May there be no resistance within us, no dullness in our hearts, but hearts that are ready to receive the goodness of God through your precious word this very day. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, amen, amen. Please be seated, everyone. Thanks, team, for leading us. I love that song because there's a man with us here this morning that had a lung transplant and we pray that God would give him life and there he's got breath, continued breath. So Peter, just um, terrific to have you here, brother, this morning. Um, beautiful. What God does to heal and renew and restore. Welcome to those online as well. Terrific. Good to have you here this morning. May you be blessed too as well as everyone here. Our senior pastor is on Fraser Island somewhere. Hope he's keeping away from all those lean slips or whatever else it may be. So uh, just uh, pray for a really great um, refreshing break for Nathan. Ravi um, Zacharias could be described as the most well-known Christian apologist over the last 40 years. He authored more than 30 books. He founded and led Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. He spoke all over the world and hosted a number of radio programs. He died in 2020 at the age of 74 after a battle with cancer. But since then, it has clearly emerged that he had had numerous sexually abusive relationships with women over a long period of time, all of which um, were hidden and he had denied while he was alive. Ravi was an esteemed um, and, and revered evangelical, um, contributed at the highest level to um, apologetic thought. He epitomised the values and beliefs of conservative Christianity. So what went wrong? Mm. What went wrong? There are many things we could possibly point to this morning. Maybe his addiction found um, um, fertile ground in some past hurt or insecurity. Maybe he was put on a pedestal by the Christian world and, and not held a proper account. Maybe it was the strength of his justifications that these sexual favours were a reward for all the responsibility and pressures that he bore in this life. I'm not pointing to this most um, public Christian failure in some condemning, self-righteous way this morning. We are all sinners, are we not? Are we not? And if we claim to be without sin this morning, then we are deceiving ourselves. But the shock, the shock of this sad revelation and the terrible damage it has done to so many lives and the dishonour that it has brought to our Holy King, it comes as a warning to us of, 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 of the devastating consequences of sin in all our lives and that we are locked in a ferocious battle with our adversary. The devil is a formidable foe, he is. He is crouching at the door of every heart, of your heart this morning. He's crouching at the door. And our greatest defense this morning is what? 
It is prayer to our heavenly father. That's our greatest defense. Christian teacher John Piper says this, until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer's for. Think about that. It's pretty powerful. To go to an, an older Christian teacher, Martin Luther, we're going back a few centuries there. He said this, we must all practice violence and remember that he who prays is fighting against the devil and the flesh. Satan is opposed to the church. And the best thing we can do, therefore, is to put our fists together and pray. <laughs> That's the violence we do. We pray. That's the power. It's prayer. Had Ravi stopped praying, had he? Had he stopped praying? Had he stopped praying what Jesus taught his disciples to pray? Had this gifted, long-term Christian leader stop praying with sincerity, lead us not into temptation. That's how Luke's version of the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray. That's how it ends. It, it is a cry for protection from spiritual failure. Could, could that prayer have made a difference to Ravi? Could it make a difference in our battle with sin and, and the dark forces that are crouching at all our lives? Well, that's what I want us to reflect on this morning. I want us to reflect on that very prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation. So I'd love you to read that with me. That's what we've been doing in this prayer series. Now, I'm alert this morning. We're going to do the Luke version of it, the Lucan version. And it's even more condensed than the Matthew version. So if you've just been sort of, you know, whipping through the prayers we've been praying them because you know it pretty well, well, be, be, be careful, be careful. You, you keep your eyes on the screen. Are you ready? So let's not try and faux par it so that we won't confuse anyone that's online this morning either. So here we go, all together. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This is God's precious word to us this morning. And I am sure that this is his word to us today. Rock solid sure. When you hear this part of the Lord's Prayer, it can seem a rather unusual request for Jesus to teach his disciples to pray. Father, don't lead us into temptation. Now, obviously, it is not God. We're not asking God not to tempt us. That's not this prayer. Because we know that God can't do that. Listen to James 1.13. Makes it really clear. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot, he cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But God does exercise control over all the circumstances of our lives. The circumstances which give rise to places where our faith and trust in him can be tested. In fact, part of our growth and development spiritually involves us facing situations where, where what, what is truly in our heart can be revealed. James 1, 2 or 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. A joy when you face them. 
because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Wonderful, wonderful blessings flow into our lives and and into the lives of others as we face trials and difficulties and overcome them. Think about Abraham just for a moment. Genesis 22. This is what we read. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Good reply when God's calling your name. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. This was a huge test for this man. But look what happened in the end. As Abraham endured this test, God brought a wonderful solution, of course, in the provision of the ram. He didn't sacrifice his son, although he was willing to do that at God's instruction. And this is what we read, verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now you might be able to think back on some times in your own life when you have gone through tough times, um, difficult challenges, and you've hung on in your faith to God there. You've stayed faithful in the middle of the tests. And then flowing out of that, as you sort of look back on that season, you can say, wow, that's amazing what God did in that season in my own life. My, My faith did go deeper into him and he took those difficult, broken things and and used them for his glory and and blessing in my life and blessing through my life to others. Now, if the place of testing is so significant in our spiritual lives, why then would we not ask God to take us to that place? If such wonderful blessings result, When we overcome, why would we pray asking God to spare us? Is this a prayer for those who aren't courageous? Um, Maybe not very confident in their faith yet. And and so Jesus put something in this prayer for those who are maybe young in the Christian journey. Don't lead me into that place where I can be tempted. It's, it's, It's for the beginners, this prayer. And as you go along in your Christian journey, well, you don't have to pray this one as much. Maybe it's one that you haven't prayed intentionally for some time. When's the last time you prayed this prayer? This prayer. When's the last time you prayed it? Maybe it doesn't seem that necessary for you. Nothing could shake your faith and trust in Jesus. You're committed to standing, come what may. So you can sort of, sort of, you know, some other things in the prayer you pray, but this one you just sort of whip over. If you've got a question or two about the relevance of this request to you, because you've weathered so much already, you've kept the faith, nothing's going to cause you to take a backward step. I just want to remind you of just one. There's a lot of these in the Bible, but just one small incident. 
We read this in John 13. Simon Peter asked him, we were thinking about this so recently, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. If you're thinking this morning that this part of the Lord's prayer is not so relevant for you, you're not really needing to pray it too much. You're secure in in the strength of your own faith. And I want to share with you a couple of reasons why you need to know that this prayer is still, is still, is still so critically important for you and, and every one of us on the Christian journey. Let me begin by reminding you of a warning that Paul gave to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Jesus knows what it's like to be human. He is one, was one, is one. And he knows from firsthand experience in the wilderness how powerful Satan's methods can be. And that's why he taught us this bread. Do not lead us into temptation why we should earnestly seek to be spared these tests in the midst in the midst of trials the devil always seeks to do his work in that place to exploit the situation to to bring about our ruin in that place if you've ever faced a difficult event or or maybe a series of difficult events I, I think that's when we feel these things the most a serious accident or, or injury or you're afflicted by a debilitating disease or, or, or some impairment or you experience a loss of em- employment or you lose someone that you love deeply or, or maybe a whole heap of those together at some point, then you'll most likely find yourself in a place where some of these sort of thoughts will come to your mind. You'll hear these things being whispered. Why would God allow this to happen? What, what, what have I done to deserve this? Is he really a loving, compassionate father? Because that doesn't sure to seem to be my experience at the moment. Or maybe even that, you know, that largest of all doubts about whether there really is a God. Because if there is, wouldn't he do something about these things? Those, those thoughts are the voice of the tempter. You know that. They're always the tempter who wants above all else to to just crush our trust in God. That was what it was about in the garden. It's what it's about on every step of our journey. It's crushing our trust in God to cause us to turn away from our faith, to put distance in our relationship between us and and our heavenly father. Our enemy is powerful and, and he seizes our moments of trial and test to ruin our faith and trust. 1 Peter 5 says this, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. To pray a prayer asking God to bring tests your way is in fact opening the door to an encounter with dark forces. And to court such a meeting, hear this, 
That is not courage, folks. It's hubris. It's spiritual pride. You're actually seeking to take control of the agenda of your growth and development in Christ. You're you're wresting it away from the Father who knows best for your journey and what you can handle at what stage. You're in fact setting yourself to come crashing down. Satan is a formidable foe, folks. He's formidable. There's a really interesting verse in, in Jude 9, which says this, but even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now think about this. When the mighty archangels of heaven do not take on the prince of this world in their own power, but only that of God's, any confidence in our spiritual capacities, thoughts that we have somehow rather moved past being caught up in satanic webs that lead to sin is foolishness on our part, folks. It's foolishness. It doesn't matter where you are on the Christian journey. Six weeks in, six months in, 60 years in. Hear that some this morning. This is for everyone. 60 years in. We need to pray. Asking that we will be spared from the battle with the tempter who delights in exploiting the trials that we endure. There's a second reason, and it's, they're closely linked, these two. That Jesus taught us not to ask our Father to take us into the place of trial. And that's because great, great, great pressures develop in that place. Um, it's a place where we are, are prone to shrink back from being obedient. It's, it's, it's the place where we wonder if we can endure, can I really be obedient here when the pressure's really on? No sane person, just hear this, no sane person asks for such trials and suffering, foolishness. No sane person does that. It is right to shrink back at the thought of pain and difficulty in the place of trial. Jesus himself did, didn't he? Jesus himself did. The perfect son of God, fully human, fully divine. My father, if it is possible, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. He was asking the father if if it's possible for him to be spared the suffering which lay before him. There's no no bravado here in Jesus. There's none. No sense that he's thinking, well, I'll just show how, how, how great I am as the son of God. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. It's true courage. It's true humility. It's true trust. We're in the face of the greatest trial that anyone's ever experienced on planet earth. Jesus humbly chooses to obey his father and rely on his strength and his strength alone to endure. Yet not as I will, but as you will. If God permits you to be taken to the place of trial, the place where Satan will tempt you to renege, to find another way, then in that place you pray for courage and strength to trust and obey. But don't ask to be taken there. 
ask rather to be spared from such a place, to be spared. It's not difficult to work out why Jesus taught us to pray, don't lead us into temptation. It's an acknowledgement, it's a, it's a recognition of our human weakness in the spiritual realm. We, we are so prone to fall. We just have to know who we are as sinful human beings. The flesh that we contend with, sinful flesh that we continue and continue to struggle with right through our Christian lives. We're prone to fall. We're prone to back out when things get hot, to, to deny, to be silent, to question God's character, to look for the easier way. And knowing ourselves as we do, and also recognizing the great power of the adversary, the devil, it, it's the humble, it's the humble and it's the wise, the humble and wise that turn to their heavenly Father and ask to be spared such trials. It's okay to pray this way, folks, just hear it. It's okay to pray this way. Jesus, in fact, instructed us to pray this way. When we pray, Father, don't lead me into temptation, we are saying with humility and self-distrust, Lord, I don't want to risk damaging myself or dishonouring you through falling into sin and we need to pray it often. We need to pray this often. It would seem that Ravi, with all his great abilities, you know, his terrific grasp of scripture and and his long and his long Christian experience that he had forgotten or chosen not to pray this way. And so he was actually found wanting in the great battle. And the prince of this world was crouching at his door, ready to do his destructive and deceitful work. Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. You know that? Until you know it's a war. It's the greatest war that we fight on this earth. And one prayer, and one prayer, we need to pray. And we need to keep praying because Jesus told us to pray this prayer is this one, lead us, lead me not into temptation. So what happens when you do pray this prayer? You know, what, what, what changes? What, what will be different in this place? Well, our loving Heavenly Father, um, who, who is the mighty sovereign who rules over all things and who has broken the power of every dark force, you know, it's, it's power over humanity that resulted because we chose sin and align ourselves with the darkness. It's been broken at the cross. We've been singing about this morning. Well, well our, our great God, he delights in answering prayers of his children. <laughs> he tells us to pray. And so we pray. He's ready to listen and hear and respond. So if you pray this prayer, you will have less tests to endure. You'll have less test to endure than someone who doesn't pray that prayer. Did you know that? That's how prayer works. When you know you're weak and prone to fall, then of course our Heavenly Father is going to respond when we cry out for his protection. 
when we ask to be spared from those situations where Satan is out to ruin us and ruin others. Compare that to the person who doesn't think that they need to pray that prayer or they're casual about this prayer in some way or other. Then they will be permitted to experience more tests from God which will reveal just how weak and prone they are to failure. You get that test you see on top. When we pray, lead me not into temptation, we are expressing our longing not to fall into sin and all its devastating consequences. We're asking a heavenly father to protect us, to look out for us in the spiritual battle, to lessen the attacks of the crouching lion. We are acknowledging that God's resources and his alone are able to help us overcome in the battle. And those hard, hear this, those hard attitudes and those prayers will not, cannot, they cannot be ignored by God. They cannot be. Not our heavenly father, not our good heavenly father when we cry out like that. Listen, Psalm 10, 17. Oh Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble The humble, he hears our desires. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. That's our God. He answers prayer. He'll answer your prayer. The second outcome of praying this way is that it makes you more alert to the devil's schemes to pull you down. When Jesus was facing the temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane to to look for another way um, apart from the cross, he practiced something which he said his disciples should, should also practice. This is what he said. Watch and pray so that what? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. When you're praying, Lord, don't let me fall, then it's actually sensitizing you it makes you alert to circumstances that could be dangerous to your spiritual well-being. That's why Jesus prayed in the garden. He was dealing with demonic forces that were calling him away somewhere else, but he moves in obedience. It sensitizes, it makes us alert. And so we pray, as we pray, we watch for signs of the enemy's attack. The very voice of Satan, we're discerning about one, that ones, ones that we know will make us vulnerable to sin. So rather than feeding, feeding the things, just hear this a moment, rather than feeding the things which make us spiritually dull, cause us to go to sleep spiritually, or, or seeing you know, how close that we can get to sin without crossing the line, we begin to recognise, or in that place, we recognise the people, the thoughts, the feelings, the situations, the influences, the choices that can so easily lead us into sin. And we pray, Lord, deliver us, deliver us, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. Don't let me go there. Help me rather to do your good and perfect will. Praying this prayer means... We know that we are in a mighty cosmic war. We, we know we're in this war. And that our heart, when we pray it, is not to fail the king. It, it's to pass through the temptation, conquer it, overcome it. 
The other great outcome when you pray regularly, don't lead me into temptation. When you do then find yourself facing a situation where you are being afflicted, you know, painful though the trial is, you'll be confident that this isn't a test to reveal the paucity of your trust. You haven't been making out how spiritual you are because you're deeply conscious of how weak you are. And so whatever the test may be that God permits to come your way, it's one that's really actually for your good. Even if it doesn't appear that way. And it does not need to result in spiritual failure. Rather, our Heavenly Father can, can and will enable us to overcome. There is a way out. There is. There's always a way out. Listen. Listen to this promise this morning. Listen to it. I love this verse. No temptation... 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is one. He is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What, what a promise. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed beyond your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through. And if that's where you are this morning, I just want you to hear this. This is for some I know. If that's where you are this morning, you are contending with your sinful flesh. The lure of the deceiver is calling you to take things into your own hands or, or, or to doubt God's goodness and care for you. We'll cry out this morning. For the help of Christ himself. That's why you're here this morning. That's why you're hearing these things online this morning. For that very reason. That's why you're hearing them. God has arranged for you to hear these things. This part of the Lord's prayer. So you will know what to do in that very situation. You will know how and what to cry out. So you can be strengthened. So you can endure so that rather than injuring yourself and others and causing Christ's name to be dishonoured, a, a mighty victory will be won, one which God will use to, to bless you and to bless this world as he did through Abraham, as he passed through the test. You'll follow in Abraham's footsteps. You will actually follow in Jesus' footsteps. The victory's been won in him. And so trust him, someone today, and fight the good fight. Do you hear that, someone? I know. You trust him and you fight the good fight. And you keep fighting the good fight in his mighty power. Do not give in. Do not give in. God is with you. And he's there to help you get through it. There is a way open for you. Now, maybe there was someone thinking right now, well, that might be okay for others, Peter. But it's all a bit late for me. I've already well and truly blown it. Satan's done irreparable damage in my life. I'm like Ravi. I'm like Ravi. Well, if that's how you're thinking then you are not really like Ravi, did you know? 
if that's how you're thinking, you're not like Ravi. Ravi either kept justifying or ignoring his addictive lust and couldn't or wouldn't admit that he had blown it and come humbly to God and ask for repentance and left whatever whatever consequences might be. He wouldn't go there. Whatever our failures may be, including those which have reached, you know, have reaped much devastation in our lives and the lives of others. If we are willing to confess our sins, he is gracious, is he not? That's what he said. That's, that's my heart. Gracious to forgive. And, and he is amazing in his restoring power. Let me remind you of the words Jesus spoke concerning the big fail that we heard about before. The file of Peter. This is what Jesus said. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as we, talking about the disciples. But I have prayed for you, Simon. This is what Jesus said, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Wow. Aren't you glad Jesus prayed that for Peter, aren't you? It's a prayer he prays for every one of us. You know that, don't you? He's, he's still at the right hand of God interceding for us. He prays it for you. The man who failed Jesus so dismally ends up writing two books of the New Testament. It's incredible, isn't it, when you think about it? That's, that's restoration, isn't it? isn't it? In fact, if you read through the Bible, it's all written by a whole lot of people that have been made a whole lot of mess-ups of their lives, but they restore it of Jesus Christ is incredible. Hear that someone today. Someone who's wondering if Satan has sifted your life. Someone online that's hearing this right now. If Satan has sifted your life, come. It's not true. If you come back to Jesus, come. Turn back. Let the Holy Spirit restore your life. Enable you to engage again in the battle on God's help and his strength on his side and then be used to strengthen others. We see it again and again in this church, the power of what God does. It's amazing. Now let me finish with this today. Let me finish with this. The biggest battle of all our lives is our battle with sin. That's the big battle. It's mine, it's mine, it's yours. It's yours, it's mine. It was Ravi's, it's our children, it's our grandchildren, it's our parents. And even though the world has almost expunged the word sin from public dialogue, maybe they'll be expunging it from the dictionaries yet, I don't know. But it's sin that is actually killing our world. Did you know that? That's what's killing our world, killing it. Killing our kids. Killing the elders who don't turn to Jesus. It's, it's, it's killing us because that's what death does. That's what sin does, leads to death. And this is why Jesus came to our sin ravaged world as we celebrated last week. His death in our stead means that we can be forgiven. It means we can be set from, free from sin and its consequences of eternal death. 
And we no longer, we no longer have to live under the oppressive and crushing grip and weight of Satan over our lives. Jesus has defeated the enemy of our souls. Praise God, praise God. And through prayer, through prayer, through prayer, and the truth and the authority of God's mighty word, we are able to overcome. We are able to resist the crouching destroyer. And one of the simplest but most powerful prayers we can pray in this war is, lead us not into temptation. Is there any better moment than now to pray that prayer? Is there? Would you pray it this morning? Come, yeah, let's pray it right now. Let's pray it right now, yeah. We actually joined the psalmist, as some read in the scriptures this morning. The psalmist said, don't let me drift towards evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. Oh, Jesus Christ, hear our cry this morning. Don't lead us into temptation. Don't lead us into places, Lord, where we are so vulnerable and weak, Lord, can so easily fall. Spare us, Lord, we pray. We ask that humbly, Lord. Help us to keep praying this prayer, Lord. Because we live in distrust of ourselves, but full confidence in you, Jesus, I pray. Yeah. So take this moment now to pray that very prayer over your life. Maybe you haven't prayed this one intentionally, specifically, um, with great heart, that you will not bring shame on the name of Jesus Christ. that you will not succumb to the one who crouches at the door of our hearts. You pray that, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Help me, Lord. Protect me, Lord. Guard me, Lord. I'm weak, but you're strong. those who find themselves in a place of testing this very, this very morning, well, um, I pray that you will now ask Jesus to strengthen you as Jesus was strengthened in the garden to be obedient to the Father, to resist the whispers that come from the darkness, the enticements, whatever that might be. And that you, you'll be strengthened in your spirit so you will remain true to the king. So you ask for his help this morning, if that's where you find yourself. For others here this morning, I want you to pray for any that might be in that place that are right in the midst of the battle. Pray that we'll be strengthened, strengthened this very morning. Strengthened. We're asking for victories in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Victories that are made possible because of what he has done. The power of sin and darkness broken by our King. 
And now I'd love us to pray for this church, the leaders of this church, to pray for the wider church of Jesus Christ and its leaders, those who are in places of prominence. Pray for them now, that they will not fall into temptation. Pray that for them. Pray that. Pray that for us. Jesus, very words were not lead me in, not into temptation, but lead us not into temptation. It's, it's corporate, it's corporate. Hear our prayers, Lord, we're crying out to you, but we're trusting in you, God. And then as we stand in you, not in our strength, but as we stand in your strength, then we will not be shaken, we won't be. We'll stand firm. We'll remain true. Oh God, thank you for your holy presence here this morning. We've been so conscious you've been with us right throughout this service. And I pray new days will break for some in this very place this day, Lord. Victories to be won. A new day full of brightness and light of Jesus Christ our Lord as we endure the battles and as we stand firm, looking to you, our precious Saviour. Oh, Holy One, Holy One. Do your beautiful restoring work, I would pray. Yeah. If you're here this morning and you need to put something right with Jesus, do it right now. Don't wait a moment longer. Ask forgiveness and he will grant that to you. He will. Yeah. Don't, don't leave here carrying a weight of sin. Don't, don't let the devil get a, get a victory here. Allow, allow our, our, great, our great King to wash you clean. Let his restoration flow to you this very day. Oh Lord, oh Lord, we love you. We worship you. There is no one better than you, Lord, to serve. You are not the exploiter of people. You're the one who lifts up the low and broken, the humble of heart. Lord, may that be our heart this very morning so that the name of Jesus will be honoured and the blessings of heaven will flow to us and through us, we pray in Jesus' wonderful and mighty and powerful name. And God's people said, Amen. 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 I want to invite you to stand. We sing a song so that we stand on the victory this morning. We're going to end this in victory this morning. Come, let's stand up. Sing this great song. We'll not be shaken. We're going to look to Jesus. Be strong in Him. Come. Thanks, John. If you can lead us, be great, brother. For we trust in our God And through His unfailing love We will not be shaken We will not be shaken We will not be shaken Trust in our God And through His unfailing love We will not be shaken We will not be shaken We will not be shaken
Jesus, we thank You for the hope that we have in You this morning, for the cross, Lord, that place where sin meets Your holiness, God, and You poured out forgiveness and grace for every single one of us. Lord, we stand in the light of Your presence today and we thank You, God. I'll continue to lead us as Your people into paths of righteousness for Your name and for Your glory, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It has been so great to have you here today, church. If you don't know yet, Jesus, we would love to have a conversation with you. If you're online this morning, click yes, respond to Jesus. We would love to um, have talk more with you about what it means to know forgiveness and grace in Jesus this morning. You are welcome to exit via the side doors today. Coffee is on. I'd encourage you to have some more conversations, meet some more people, enjoy the rest of your day. Be blessed, church. Join us tonight, six o'clock and four o'clock services back on tonight as well. If you would like prayer this morning as well, we have some pe- a prayer team who'd be down the front and it would be our privilege to pray with you today. Bless you, church. Have an awesome day. Thank you so much.